Yesterday, we saw another massive win for the crypto industry and Bitcoin and crypto prices did precisely nothing. As I've said in this part of the market cycle in the year before the happening, it's unlikely that we see any real movement in price based on good news. But this is one of the biggest stories that we've had in a very, very long time. And it will matter massively in the future. I have some amazing guests today. As usual, I've got Casey Chohan to talk about accounting. I know the most exciting topic in the world, crypto accounting. But it is very, very relevant today. Just ask Michael Saylor. I've also obviously got Dan from Chart Guys at the end. What's this story? I'll tell you in a minute. That's dope. What is up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of All Streets. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel and hit that like button. I'm having some lighting issues today. My light was in front of the uh, was in front of the camera there at the intro, which it means if you're wondering how my light gets in front of the camera, it's because I have a four year old son who comes into my office and just moves things and he wrecks things. And sometimes I look in the background and there'll be like one of those sticky hands on the wall or something crazy like that. Anyone who has kids might understand. Now, guys, I don't want to disappoint you today. I know that we have some amazing guests, uh, but I promised a different guest yesterday and we didn't make it happen. If you guys are following me on Twitter, uh, I was watching Tucker Carlson interview a cokehead who apparently had sex with an ex-president. Very big, impactful news. No, I think it's absolutely disgusting what the news has become. It's tabloid. And so I tweeted yesterday, tomorrow on my show, I'll be hosting a 79-year-old crackhead who raped Satoshi Nakamoto's pet horse and swears the anonymous creator of Bitcoin was a one-legged bullfrog. Tune in. Um, I, I didn't bring that guy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know I promised. I don't like to let you guys down, but I do not have that guest today. But I do have two much better guests. I've got Casey Chohan. And then, of course, on the back end, we've got Dan from the Chart Guides, who's here every week to keep us calm and tell us what's happening in the market. So I'm going to go ahead and bring on Casey right now. What's up, man? We woke you up really early today. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a little early here, but always happy to, uh, to have a chat. So thanks for inviting me on. But you do, I mean, you do taxes for crypto people, which means that we're all insane and we'll keep you up at any time of the day and night. So I imagine that uh, you keep very strange hours in the first place. Yeah, always. I'm a, I'm a night owl at the best of times. And plus, you know, you do what you need to do. I've got a newborn as well. So I know what you were uh, mentioning about kids and, and all hours and things moving around. So I'm, uh, man, it is absolutely wild. I mean, I was for everyone. I was uh, I had a meeting with Casey yesterday, who if you haven't seen him on my podcast, he explained uh, a lot of really interesting tax strategies that you could use if you are in crypto. And he was having to deal with me talking about how to account for things like Voyager bankruptcies and losses in crypto. I know a lot of you have experienced that. So I just have to say personally, if you have, uh, this is the team that can help you through something like that and actually understands it. But let's talk about this. And we've got this big clickbait title, big win for crypto. We'll get to the Ethereum pump ahead part later. That's not this story. But the big win for crypto here, obviously, is that the FASB says crypto assets should be marked at current values. That's the Financial Accounting Standards Board. Maybe you can explain to us first what the policy was before and why it was so, so important that we get this changed. 
Yeah, so before they were they were holding us all in limbo. They weren't really making a decision to allow us to put the, the crypto clearly on a balance sheet. So that then held out the big boys from jumping in because they were unsure whether they could put this asset clearly on the balance sheet because of the, the so-called volatility in the market with Bitcoin. So by doing this, it's allowed to bring greater transparency and accuracy around that financial reporting. And it's just going to be a great thing for all companies that are kind of forward thinking because we've been wanting this. And we know we've been talking about this for years. Um, we've been wanting this for a long while because it will allow bigger companies to get into crypto and hold that as an asset. Yeah, this is what I, so for anyone who doesn't understand this in very, very layman's terms, you'll all remember MicroStrategy sparked the last bull market in Bitcoin by putting Bitcoin on the balance sheet. Everybody knows about that. Michael Saylor basically had full control of the board, full control of the company. He was able to do something like this. And then we saw Tesla, Elon Musk, and Square, Jack Dorsey, like three guys who uh, had a lot of control of their companies, let's just say, put Bitcoin on the balance sheet. Michael Saylor then invited 2,000 CFOs, you guys might remember, at the beginning of 2021 to explain to them how to put Bitcoin on the balance sheet, and then crickets. It never happened. And the reason was these accounting rules. So in layman's terms, let's say you're a company, you had an amazing quarter, your business absolutely crushed it, but you have Bitcoin on your balance sheet. Let's say that Bitcoin was $25,000 when you bought it, and it's $25,000 when you're still holding it at the end of the quarter. But at some point in that quarter, you had one of those crazy days where Bitcoin went down to $15,000 and came back. On your balance sheet, you have to had to, well, still do until 2025, account for Bitcoin at $15,000, not the current value at $25,000. Meaning that you could actually have a bad quarter of earnings, even if your company did well, your stock could suffer, your board could be angry. It's insane, right? So you had to market to market to the lowest point it ever was during that accounting period and not to its current value. Which is crazy, right? Because it's just, it's unfairly skewing the numbers down rather than giving you a more fair representation of what that asset is at that given time. So th they've also put some verbiage in about unrealized gains and losses. So we're yet to finalize all of this. It's huge news, but they still have a lot of detail to provide us, but it's definitely going in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, even to add to what I said, to my understanding, even if it's way up, right? You bought it at 25,000, it's sitting at 50, you still have to account for it at 25. So you don't even, you can't even get upside. You can literally only get downside from the previous rules. I think it sucks that this is not going to come into effect until 2025. Which is strange, be right? Because it's like, why announce it now that when it's going to be coming into effect in, in a couple of years' time, it, again, makes no real sense either. It's more like you're trying to keep us off your backs by giving us a future vision, but 2025, like, come on, this could easily be implemented. You do it now. I mean, you can literally right. do it for the 2024 taxes. Obviously, maybe even for 2023, probably, uh, retroactively, but you can see Sailor, obviously. He was kind of the champion behind this, been complaining about it. By the way, this comes through the SEC. So it's interesting that this is very good news from a very contentious SEC. Fair value accounting is coming to Bitcoin. The upgrade to FASB accounting rules eliminates a major impediment to corporate adoption of Bitcoin as a treasury asset. So uh, like I said, I mean, you would have had to literally be insane as a risk manager or a corporate treasurer to put 
any crypto asset on your balance sheet. Literally impossible, right? I mean, there's no reason you would ever do that. There's zero upside. But now with the new laws, it's just like having cash, right? Yeah, it really is. It makes it a lot more appealing for more people. I think kind of a lot of people that I heard were in crypto, a really small amount of their portfolio, say 5% or less. I think this will now change that and people will start having a bigger mix of crypto as part of their overall portfolios. I mean, do you think that there are companies that have been sitting on the sidelines saying, hey, we'd love to put Bitcoin on our balance sheet. We do believe it's a hedge against inflation, whatever the narratives are, who obviously wouldn't and now will be looking at this. Yet again, it's 2025 again. So this even gives the ones who aren't considering it a lot of time to to think about it. It gives them all more time to research it and fully understand it, or at least understand it as much as they can. Uh, And absolutely, I think we'll see a big influx of huge companies putting in billions of dollars and kind of following Michael Saylor uh, and Tesla. I know Tesla changed their minds and went back and then weren't accepting it and then were. So they were teetering in and out. Um, It's typical Elon Musk, right? But I think others will start following and they'll see an opportunity there, um, especially with what's going to go on with Bitcoin over the next few years with the half in and the value probably going to go up as well. So I think for anyone who was on the fence or unsure, it's going to tip them over to to actually get involved. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. And I think that now it's likely we're going to see a lot of people doing this. But that doesn't mean that we're uh, a pleasant tax haven for United States citizens investing in crypto, though. It's interesting. This is one great rule. I think it'll make a big difference for corporate treasuries this is the way that they can institutionally adopt crypto. But on the flip side, we have, you know, sort of the Biden administration and the SEC saying there's these massive loopholes for crypto millionaires and that they're taking advantage of. And I looked around and unfortunately I hadn't met you yet. And I'm like, I paid a lot of taxes, probably a lot more than I should have because of crypto. There were no loopholes for me. There's loopholes for rich people that crypto might be taking advantage of. But is it fair to say that there are crypto specific loopholes that anyone's taking advantage of? No, you know, a lot of this is just clickbaity stuff or that they're trying to push a narrative that isn't necessarily true. Um, There's loopholes and structures for all different things. I think when the politicians get involved, they're usually pushing their own agenda to, to, to meet their narrative, which is usually to get reelected. Um, we don't need to get into the politics of this one specifically because there's never a good answer to that. But generally speaking, if you're structured in the right way, you can significantly reduce capital gains tax, which does include the volatility within crypto. Right. But that, if they're going to make that argument as a government, they should be saying closing tax loopholes for wealthy people because 99% of the people who are taking advantage of that structure have nothing to do with crypto, correct? Correct. Yeah. And it's funny, isn't it? When the billionaires' tax returns get leaked, it's clear to see that they all pay 5% or less effective tax rate, regardless of if it's ordinary income or capital gains. And and then even presidents, you know, that when presidents are paying $750 and their son-in-laws are also doing the same, it's, uh, it's a bit hypocritical, right? Yeah, I think it's a a little bit more than a bit hypocritical, to be honest. Actually, I saw a story today. Now, I want to bring it up just because you're here. 
Uh, speaking of billionaires, this study said global crypto wealth study reveals six Bitcoin billionaires and 88,000 crypto millionaires. Uh, here's the study right here. I, I literally almost fell over laughing. I think that I personally know six Bitcoin billionaires that nobody knows about. Do they really believe that there's only six Bitcoin billionaires in the world? I, I feel like, I mean, yeah, people it's don't so advertise when they're Bitcoin billionaires. We're talking about maybe what, having a thousand-ish Bitcoin or something? It's so like, funny because yeah. people, we can equate this to like the wider audience by looking at the Forbes 100 list. The real wealthy people are not going to want to be on that list. They don't want to be on public display the same way crypto people do not want to be on public display so people can come after them or come out the woodwork. So again, clickbaity titles. They just want to get attention for their 15 minutes. That's all it really is. But like, I mean, a thousand, like, you know, 8,000, 9,000, 10,000, whatever the Bitcoin number is that makes you, it's probably even a hundred. It's a lot more. But anyways, I mean, think about all the people who early mined Bitcoin and, you know, like well, <laughs> there's people who paid what would be a billion dollars now for a pizza, right? I mean, in the early right. days, you got to imagine there's so many of these people out there. My youngest so client, my youngest multi-millionaire client is an 18 year old kid yeah and these days oh, is he in crypto 100 percent. <laughs> like kids yeah. at college he didn't know anything but he was just in crypto super early and made an absolute fortune and he was smart enough not to to squander it all so are there any other just blatant accounting issues you would say in the united states that we need to fix it sounds like this is one of them obviously i mean i would say in the, in the defense of the IRS, I do think that the wash trading, wash sale rule should apply to crypto, which generally doesn't. But I think that that's happening now because a lot of people in crypto have taken advantage of the ability to basically harvest taxes by taking a loss and buying it right back. You can't do that in stocks. Maybe that's the one loophole they can say that we do get, but that's going away. Is there anything else? The way I look at it is the system is corrupt from inception right there's always two sets of rules one for the informed and one for the uninformed so the, the way we can kind of conceptualize that in today's world is loopholes versus structures where the uninformed people are looking for what they deem as legal loopholes that they can jump through whereas the elites all have structures that far supersede any loophole that's the way it was built from inception. So are we ever going to fix that? No. Can we just make the most of what it is? Absolutely. And the problem is that loopholes change all the time. So every few years, old loopholes will go out, new ones will come in, the IRS will change the rules on previous loopholes and backdate new things and like audit things. So it's always changing. And the person that gets hit the most is that middle-class American that gets squeezed all the time because the elites are not going to get squeezed. And then the poor don't have anything to squeeze. It's always that middle class of people that get squeezed the most. Um, we could have a full hour on different things in terms of which loopholes and yeah. what. But like if you, you make the grace point, if you're just a salary worker, whether you're working paycheck to paycheck or you're saving money or whatever, these loopholes don't apply. You're getting a W-2, your taxes, Exactly. These loopholes are for people who are holding assets. They have a securities platform that they can take loans against, or they have some complex trucks, trust structure intact that basically allows them to continually reinvest without having to pay taxes. 
Exactly. Yeah, that that's really the key is that and, and they, those people are often in family offices and they have armies of people that are working for, for them. So they're kind of a lot more protected than the average person on the street or even the average successful business person. Let's call them a new millionaire because there's so many more millionaires being created every single day. Um, but they just don't have that team, that infrastructure around them to get into that advanced level of tax savings. Yeah. I want to circle back really quick before I let you go on the FASB. A lot of people were very angry at various times when SpaceX or Tesla or Elon Musk sold Bitcoin. But when you look at the old rules, if you thought you were going to take a loss, you had to sell it to avoid that, right? Based on whatever else was happening in your company. People don't realize that. If you're having a bad quarter... And you're at a gain, you should sell at that point, you should have sold your Bitcoin because then you get to pad your earnings for the quarter. But if you thought it was about to drop, you also had to unload it because you couldn't afford to mark it down. So you can't really be mad at anyone who actively sold or bought at different times based on what was happening with the rest of their company. Yeah, 100%. And plus, you know, Elon Musk is arguably one of the smartest men in the world and one of the richest men in the world. So he knows what he's doing most of the time. I wouldn't ever bet against him personally. Okay, so last final question before I let you go, because I happen to just look at the chat and the only thing anyone's talking about is exactly where you're from and exactly what your accent is. We have Sheffield, <laughs> Birmingham. I think we had like a Yorkshire. I don't know. We have Yorkshire, a lot of there you, there you go. The person who said Yorkshire. I'm from North Yorkshire. Uh, with a small town called Middlesbrough, Northeast England. Yeah, so, so here you go. See, is that a Yorkshire accent? We, we do have somebody who absolutely nailed it. So not Birmingham. I think we had a consensus here that it was Birmingham as I'm reading through it over here. Oh, you wouldn't I be missed. able to understand me if it was a Birmingham accent. <laughs> I, I can't understand half the people from, from England, depending on where they're from. But you, it's very clear. So uh, no, no problems well, there. I, I've lived in LA a long time. My accent's kind of watered down a little bit now. Yeah, well, I'm surprised you uh, don't uh, talk like a valley girl now. No, we we (laughs) avoid that at all costs. (laughs) So I talk like one of the girls from from Clueless. So by the way, anyone, like I said, guys, not to pitch, but if if you're having trouble with any of these complex crypto rules or you're looking for a way to understand all of this, Casey is your guy. Casey, where can they all find you after this? Yeah, you can hit me up at uh, togethercfo.com, which is my website. Uh, we've got some great tools on there. We've got some great giveaways in our school community, all totally free. Just trying to add as much value as we can. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for waking up. And I'm sorry, I'll probably be bothering you later today. Uh, no, very <laughs> Thanks, man. Have a good one. Bye. Casey's awesome. Uh, and that he, we've been talking about trying to go to F1 together. He's a huge F1 fan. So that, that's the next plan. If you guys are looking for more information, by the way, on the latest FASB ruling, which is a pretty deal, big deal for Bitcoin, you know we have James Lavish every Monday. Well, we had him Tuesday for Macro Monday on a Tuesday. But uh, he, as usual, does these amazing threads. And this is just an amazing thread that will very, very, very simply explain to you what this is what it means, attached to actually numbers, understanding why it matters, long thread, long thread. So that will probably, if you're looking for a way to follow up about this, make a very, very big difference in your understanding. And I have to say, guys, seriously, this to me is, I'll call it after BlackRock applying for an ETF, this is the second biggest news on the positive side that we've had this year. It's bigger than PayPal, Stablecoin. I think it's bigger than the Grayscale Victory and Ripple Victory, or at least alongside that. 
because now we don't have to guess anymore. In 2025, we are going to very quickly understand how many companies really want to have Bitcoin on their balance sheet. Moving on to the next huge story of the day. Obviously, it's not this one, but 44.2% of Ethereum holders now in a loss. Is this the bottom? I don't know, but a lot of people holding Ethereum at a loss. But that's not going to matter because Kathy Woods, ARK Invest 21 shares, apply for first spot Ethereum ETF, dubbed the ARK 21 shares, Ethereum ETF. I mean, that's literally exactly what who they are and what it's called. The application resembles those for spot Bitcoin ETFs that were recently delayed by the SEC. Okay, so... The SEC is getting absolutely pwned. If you guys have not been paying attention, they lost to Ripple. They lost to Grayscale. Everybody and their mother and their mother's cousin and their mother's cousin's sister, baby cousin, Tracy's nephew, whose niece went to school with your uncle, they're all applying for ETFs, which just means that the SEC is getting flooded and inundated with pressure and ETF applications. So we saw obviously a slew of Bitcoin spot ETF applications. We all know about that. Not going to talk about it anymore. Then we saw a number of Ethereum futures ETF applications, which should get approved because, duh, they're exactly like the Bitcoin futures ETFs that have already been approved. So that should be very, very good for Ethereum in itself. But now we have Ethereum spot ETFs being applied for and in the lead, of course, Kathy would, uh, what is it? What is the one I always just say? How much Kathy Wood would have, would Chuck, Chuck, if the Kathy Wood Chuck could Chuck Wood? Uh, yeah, she filed. And then there you go. Boom. Eric Beltrunas was here last week. Arc just filed for a spot E3 ETF, the first one, probably more incoming imminent. And then I don't know, like four hours later, boom, Vanek, right? So I don't know if these guys get together, but ARK was first and Fanek came in four hours later. Imagine being four hours later, my God. Boom, boom, boom. All the ETF guys, boom. Another boom. How much Kathy Wood could have Wood Chuck Chuck if a Kathy Wood Chuck could Kathy Wood? Something like that. But anyways, this is amazing. This is different from the earlier ARK 21 shares S1 filing because this will ultimately start that clock we are so used to following with spot Bitcoin filings. Guys, Gary can only say no for so long. I know this because somebody leaked me a secret video of him down in the Fifty Shades of Grey basement with his dominator, Elizabeth Warren. Safe word is security. You didn't hear that from me. And Obama and the, the Coke guy, they were down there with $100, a nine iron and a, a squirrel. But guys, the SEC, seriously, they're going to have to just start approving these things. They can't say no. There's absolutely no justification to say no to all of these things. It's big. Now I want to get into a story that made my head spin. I think it's so dumb, and that means we have to talk about it. Genesis Global Capital files over $600 million in unpaid for over $600 million unpaid DCG loans court docs. Genesis claims DCG owes it $500 million from one set of loans, alongside another 4,550 Bitcoin owed from DCG International. Now, you might look at this and go, yeah, I mean, this is a, like a normal, obvious story like Genesis. They went bankrupt. We've seen Alameda doing these things. They're trying to recoup their assets for the bankruptcy, suing people. But wait, but wait, Genesis is owned by DCG, right? 
Coindesk, Genesis, Grayscale, all owned by Barry Silbert's DCG. So to give you a quick summary, what we have here, in fact, is a company suing themselves for not paying themselves. And then I, do you guys get it? Do you guys get it yet? What's happening here? Do you? So that's how bad this bear market is right now. They're suing themselves for loans they made to themselves and failed to repay to themselves. So yeah, basically there were favorable terms. When DCG needed money, they got a loan from their own company with extremely favorable terms and then they changed the terms. Then Genesis went bankrupt. And now Genesis, which is probably Genesis's lawyers are saying, we didn't agree to those terms. So we're suing you to get the money. So yes, Genesis is in chapter 11. So of course, they're kind of being uh, controlled by the lawyers who we all know have made $700 million collectively this year in bankruptcies. But yes, there's a lot of problems here at DCG. The other obviously being Grayscale. Yes, Grayscale won. We talked about it. It's amazing news because Grayscale could get converted to an ETF and they beat the SEC. Guys, there's no Chinese walls between these companies. This is one big, strange, interconnected, incestual empire run by Barry. And the only thing left here, obviously, Genesis went bankrupt. Coindesk is being sold for pennies on the dollar. Other companies being liquidated. The only thing left for them that's making any money is GBTC. And that's because it's a closed-end fund that nobody has been able to redeem from that had a tremendous discount because the fees are really high. If Genesis gets approved, if Grayscale gets approved for an ETF, their fees go to almost zero. They lose all the money they're making, their cash cow, the hundreds of millions of dollars a quarter, and they are completely fucked. It's basically political theater that they're even trying to convert to an ETF, but they know one's coming. So their best case is to be first. And to have so much inflow that it accounts for the loss in fees that they're getting right now with GBTC, which we all know is predatory and a horrible product. Genesis is a shit show. Listen, when I talk to Kyle from 3AC and others, they say that this, these are the guys that are behind all the real contagion, all the problems that we have that, you know, Grayscale was loaning to Genesis, and then Genesis would take loans on GBTC from BlockFi and Three Arrows Capital that they shouldn't have, but that GBTC was issued by the same company and blah, 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 blah. So this DCG is the mess nobody's talking about as much because everybody seemingly is focused on Binance. And listen, I, I do want to bring up Binance uh, before, uh, I'm assuming Dan is coming, but before we get him, Binance, yes, is a bit of a shit show. But you guys may not have noticed, Binance a few months ago had 80% of crypto volume, 80% of the market. That is a monster number. Monster number. So uh, now what is it? It is 30%. If you guys didn't know, Binance's market share of all of crypto has gone from 80% all of the way down to 30%. That is crazy. That market share is being picked up elsewhere. Obviously, volumes are down across the board in general. But it's my thinking that if this is going to be a train wreck, and I don't know if it is, if the DOJ is coming, 
We have a slow motion train wreck, and that's better than a fast motion train wreck because if Binance is going to have trouble, we want them to be as small a part of the market as possible, right? We all know that. So if Binance continues to lose market share and goes down to 25, 20, 18, 15, I don't know, 10% of the market, if it actually collapses, which I don't necessarily think it will, it won't matter as much because it'll be such a smaller part of the market. So I think that is awesome. As Cloud Casino just said, four, four. Now, guys, while I wait for Dan, uh, we've never had him not show up, but I don't see him in the waiting room. So maybe something happened here. I want to go ahead and look at a couple charts myself because I don't know if he's coming. But this is important because this is the dollar, guys. And I pointed out this likely breakout here. You guys may remember a few weeks ago, I did a whole stream where I said, hey, uh, I don't know what's going to happen here, but stonks, the stock market, it feels really, really toppy. Really, really, really toppy. And that I was selling. I sold all the meta I had bought at 100 bucks and all the meta I bought at 230 bucks. I sold all of that around 314 bucks. Now, I don't know where Meta is today. Meta's trading 298. I didn't exactly kill it there, but that is now below the 50 MA, which we are seeing now. Take a look at like Dow Jones lost the 50 MA, dropping. We're seeing this across the board at the moment that a lot of things are dropping. And I think that's largely because of dollar strength. Dan is here. We failed to send him a link. We are dumb. We apologize. I will give myself 14 lashes afterwards. But Dan, man, how are you today? Sorry about that. No worries. Two minutes late. We're here. Better late than never. Two minutes late is 15 minutes early in 2023, <laughs> I think. Nobody's on time for anything. I literally, as you were just about to pop on, I was talking to Misha. I took a look at the dollar. And man, this is looks like it's getting that breakout we've been talking about for a while here, right? Yeah, there was a moment we were real close to starting that weekly consolidation and then Bull said, nope, we're not done yet. And this is now a longer term. You know, we go to the four month time frame or something really longer term. It's now a higher low from there and uh, there's still a lot of momentum. And so eventually we will need a clear, you know, multiple weeks of pullback, multiple weeks of follow through if we're going to say, all right, this move is for real. But it's certainly very convincing at this point. Yeah. Okay. Do you mind pulling up a chart? I would love to see that uh, four month if you have it there. I, I, I know we caught you on the spot because you just came on, but uh, I love your longer term uh, timeframes that you show because it gives a lot of perspective. And I don't think, especially in crypto, that people uh, bother to zoom out that far. Yeah. So this this is the four month. And you know, obviously every candle, four months to form, it takes a whole long time. But right off EMA 12, you go to the S&P 500 and that's what helped me uh, be prepared for the bottom, the big long-term four-month higher low off EMA 12. And then we made our way back up near the all-time high. And so the question is now is the dollar, you know, there's there's only three ways that this play out. We, we either head back to the recent high, which would be very bearish crypto metals, equities. We set a lower high and confirm a downtrend, which would be best case for the bulls, or we have a boring 2024 and we just tighten up and do that. Yeah, I think you stole my Bitcoin chart, which was like uh, basically this. <laughs> you know, when we dropped, I was like, maybe everyone wants down or up. I think maybe it's just chopping sideways. I mean, for Bitcoin, uniquely, we have the whole having cycle thing, but I don't think it's going to be that much different either in, in equities for now. I think it just feels like we had this monster run up and now it's just consolidation time, whichever way it's going to go. 
If you show me those long-term timeframes and if you tell me that's an hourly chart, which I'm accustomed to as a day trader, I say, we're gonna look for a tightening range. And so that's the most common thing that happens in markets. And again, I, I made a Twitter post recently where I would not rule out the possibility where, you know, a halving takes us, even if it does go bullish, but doesn't break the all-time high. I mean, it's possible we tighten up for a number of years in Bitcoin. And my, my message to everyone was, just have a game plan for that. Just prepare for that possibility because it makes me really nervous when I see so many people certain that an all-time high is coming because of having. Yeah. And I know the history, I know the cycle, but we only have a few instances. It's not like we have, you know, 50 years of data to show us this is going to happen. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm one of those, like, it's a foregone conclusion, mentally narrative people, but I am definitely well prepared that any time can be different. There's so many things that can happen for it to, to, to be different. And so many people are talking about the having now that does give me pause. I actually, I happen to just be looking here at QQQ, obviously, which is a uh, NASDAQ. Wow, it gaps down pretty big today. Yeah, Apple has been in that. Apple has been in free fall the last two days. They had some news involving China. And I think they're down like, they've got to be down seven to 8% in two days, which is pretty wild for, you know, the Apple. Apple doesn't usually see that kind of volatility. Yeah, the news was weird. I think it was that government officials might not be able to have iPhones or something. How many Chinese government or officials are there that this is problematic? So is it just the narrative that China is taking a look at Apple and there could be more things to come because that 2000 iPhones that might not be uh, in use by Chinese officials seems uh, like a drop in the bucket for a it, a Apple's iPhone sales. It's actually 60 million. I saw a tweet, you know, whatever that's worth. 60 million government officials is oh, the number because okay, it goes I down see. goes down to the state level or whatever. You know, I'm not familiar with the Chinese inner workings of the government, but I think it's sizable. But like oh, you God. said, like you said, it is, uh, you know, pricing in. Well, maybe China is going to do more against Apple. Yeah, so I mean, we're seeing the dollar rage. If tech is dropping, now I want to take a look at NVIDIA. That also had a massive drop, but actually right to the 50 MA. I mean, what are you looking at now as you, that we've seen the sort of market open here? Uh, I was looking, if I if I were not here right now, I would be longing NVBA off of yeah. uh, 448. Uh, this is this is that equilibrium. <laughs> <laughs> this is that equilibrium where, you know, if we hold support here, we're going to look for a bounce and a lower high. And then into next week, ideally we get nice and tight, but the bulls have to prove it today. They're doing a decent job right now. The gap would fill up at 465. You know, we're already up a quick 2% from that low almost. So that's one of those gap down for buying scenarios right into a support level. Um, but other than that, as I mentioned, you know, at the end of last week, cannabis is definitely getting the buzz and the analytics. It started raging after you said that. Yeah. It's, I'm convinced uh, that the entire world was listening to you on the <laughs> screen because it happened right afterwards. Yeah, it's it's definitely, you know, I've been watching the sector for literally 13 years and uh, the analytics the last week are showing us that there is a bunch of interest, you know, in terms of my YouTube videos, my tweet analytics, it's it's gaining a lot of interest. And so there's a lot still that has to play out from here. I'm looking for a temporary top to potentially be set. Next, it's going to be, you know, how much do we retrace? Is the daily consolidation nice and healthy for a higher low? I mean, we haven't confirmed an uptrend this yet. Two, this, this 2x since you were on here last week? Uh, yeah, yeah, just about, just under that. Some of these, I mean, some of the, some of the low cap names went 200 percent in a few days. I mean, a these are very low cap and liquid, but uh, you and know, this was all based on the news that you shared last week, which is basically that it could be put on a different schedule and basically decriminalized at a federal level, which has been proposed many times, right? But someone at the FDA effectively said that should be the case. 
Yeah, it was the HHS, uh, Health and Human Services. And, you know, there's no instance where something from the FDA or the HHS has been disregarded by the DEA. So probabilities, the DEA still has to make the decision, but the probabilities increase significantly that they will reschedule it. There's still some, you know, dangling carrot of over the next six weeks, the Senate might make some moves to to help with uh, banking issues that had plagued the sector over the last couple of years. So it's, you know, a little bit of a shift in obviously the price shifts the sentiment a bit. And then the the news cycle shifts a little bit. They talk about it on CNBC. So uh, it's just a longer, I mean, the volume is showing us that a long term, we talked about that last week, like, you know, this volume looks for real. And so this volume is telling us that a long term bottom is in. Now it's just a question of uh, can we keep an uptrend going? Can we keep uh, strength into really what I'm looking towards is next election, which is what, 13 months away uh, and looking election season often uh, benefits this sector. So uh, a, lot, a lot of proving still to be done. You know, this psychedelic stocks are worth paying attention to. They're still low cap. One of them, the leader is CMPS, but the weekly time frame for CMPS has been a year of tightening. And, you know, I've seen a bunch of stocks this year form a bottoming pattern like this, one of them being Chinese uh, EV name, completely unrelated, but again, just weekly sideways into 200% gains. And so I'm watching CMPS psychedelic. Is this tightening forever range going to break bull? Bottom line is there's opportunity in cannabis. And I think, you know, psychedelics will get their run. California is going to vote to legalize uh, psychedelics in the near term. So just keep an eye on these sectors. We know how much humans love new things, whether it's a law change, whether it's new technology and that fuels, yeah, right. It fuels the hype. And so keep an eye on it because there are trades and profit to be made on those hypes. So I'm definitely going to be talking about cannabis and psychedelic stocks a lot over the next year. Really interesting because like we can talk about the dollar breaking out and we can show that there's some weakness in the stock market. But if you look close enough, there's sectors that are moving completely outside of sort of the macro narratives and the cycles where you can still find, I mean, that weed stock, that that was impressive because you literally talked about that. It was at the bottom and it launched within hours of us talking about it for, you know, two to three X. Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of excitement and hype, and and like you mentioned, there is always a bull somewhere, and there's always a bear somewhere. And cannabis was the bear. The, you know, the market's been going up for the last uh, six, eight months, whatever it's been, and cannabis has been going down. So uh, it's it's just putting in a longer term bottom, and now it's just a question of can we confirm a daily uptrend? Then can we confirm a weekly uptrend? And taking it one step at a time from a technical perspective. So if the dollar closes kind of up where it is, makes that slightly higher high, do you then basically start ignoring larger caps and not even trying to touch them, focusing on this small cap stuff? Do you kind of sit on the sidelines to wait? I mean, as a trader, what becomes your strategy if you see, because this is the dollar, everyone watches it, right? And so if it really does confirm this higher high, you've got to imagine that that's going to shake the market's confidence in some degree, or at least it's going to have everybody moving to the sidelines and waiting. Yeah, it's definitely focusing on this, you know, volatility while we have it trading it in both directions in cannabis, but uh, being, you know, open to the bear side of things. Right now, my IRA is all hedged up where I'm, I'm preparing for the possibility that, you know, we do see the bear's set weekly lower highs, really what it is for the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ in the next couple of weeks is, do we confirm this weekly downtrend? And if that happens, again, then long-term timeframe, 
three-month chart. Then we go for our equilibrium and tightening range. And so uh, I am definitely open to the bears. Really, the next week or two is going to significantly shift the probabilities for me as to how we end the year. And you know, I'm much more open to bear trades now that we've seen this past week and this Apple and NVDA pullback. And we just talked about NVDA, but you know, even if we do bounce from here, I am going to be scouting a daily lower high short entry yep. for the possibility that you know this tightening range does break bear into longer term consolidation. Yeah, my base case right now is that the top is in for a while. We'll see for stocks like for S S and P QQQ. I just I think we had our run, and now, like you said, maybe uh, we we consolidate for a long time and then see what happens when it's election season. I, I'm I'm I would love to be wrong. I own plenty of stock, right? I have an IRA just like uh, just like everyone else, but I, I don't know. I, there, there is there is still one route that can save it. I mean, it is the NASDAQ is a possible monthly cup, cup and handle. handle. So uh, I am open to both paths still. And I think, you know, through September, we're going to, by the end of September, we're going to know significantly which has a higher probability, long-term tightening range or monthly cup and handle. And uh, hopefully over the next few weeks, we'll continue to check in on this and help shape those probabilities. Because really right now I'm 50-50. Like I am open yeah. to both paths yeah. I don't think anyone's ever delivered more alpha in like a 10 to 11 minute stretch than you managed to come in here and, and do. That was incredible. Actual names of uh, psychedelics and weed stocks. You gave it to us last week. Absolutely incredible. Is there anything else, any other hints we might be uh, looking for this week or, or, or coming up uh, before? Actually, next week, I'm not sure I'm going to be on. I'm going to be in Singapore. It'll be 9 p.m. I'm still trying, though, but uh, right. we might be taking a week off. But uh, any, any other uh, last thoughts here? Just for if you're interested in cannabis, just wait for daily consolidation. You know, if you want the risk to reward to be in your favor, uh, we're still hanging on. You know, we're still feeling some of that euphoria, but uh, we know daily consolidation will be inevitable. We know it's an easy 20% pullback when that happens. So uh, just establish your game plan in advance and wait for consolidation to look for long swing entries if that is your interest. I love it, man. Thank you so much, as always, for, for joining everybody. Once again, follow him on Twitter. It's down below. Check out his YouTube channel. You might have missed a 200% uh, gain on something if you weren't paying attention because I didn't actually buy any last week. I got busy and forgot, and then he just reminded us, and I thought, <laughs> that was really dumb. I should have probably uh, traded that. Thank you, man. As always, always a pleasure. Everybody check him out. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Scott. See ya. Awesome, man. Uh, we, we haven't had someone, we, we have a lot of people come on, but generally they can't go, oh, see, I told you so last week and, and it's outside of crypto and things are up to 200 or 300%. So guys, I would pay a lot of attention. To summarize from everything today, obviously, SEC is under just massive pressure right now. These accounting rules to the SEC, ETH ETFs to the SEC, futures ETFs, Bitcoin spot ETFs, losing to Grayscale, losing to Ripple, the Gary Gensler days are slowly getting behind us. You guys have to realize that we have all this huge news. I mean, huge, huge good news, and it's not affecting the market at all. And people get very frustrated. Why didn't we pump? It doesn't matter. Everybody hates Bitcoin. Good news. We should be at 50,000. No, we're in this part of the cycle, most likely. And the things we're seeing right now in a year, we'll go back and be like, oh, yeah, they announced that a year ago. That was huge news. Companies are starting to buy Bitcoin. We'll be like, oh, we knew about that in 2023. 
These are the narratives that will be driving the next bull market whenever it comes. So even if price does not move, it raises the fair value of all of these assets and what Bitcoin should be worth in the future. Good time to remind you, don't capitulate because time has passed or because you're bored. This is not the time to leave. We are getting tons of good news. Guys, that's all I've got. I will see you tomorrow with Nathaniel Whittemore, NLW, reviewing the top five stories of the week. Peace. Let's go.